0: Drive your Welcome to Trucking with the IT Privacy and Security Weekly Update for the week ending December sixth, twenty twenty-two. Heaven's a Betsy. This week we start with liars, an end, and a Pepsi Cola loading bay. We discover stuff under our desks, new ways to get into pictures at the airport, and something unexpected flying over our heads. We discover the extent of Telegram's much-touted privacy, even as we give up our own for the sake of a sharper picture and a few more channels. Tim Cook's team share how an iPhone can save you lugging around a heavy tape measure. And then we glean some insight on the balancing act of one country's zero-tolerance COVID-19 budget, potentially paid for by another country's COVID-19 funding. We have a couple more breaches and then Australia's plan to prevent companies from losing our data by driving them into bankruptcy. It's all here, but the truck's out back. Race ya! Our first store is global and comes to us from The Verge. Anchor's Yuffie lied to us about the security of his security cameras. Despite claims of only using local storage with the security cameras, Eufy has been caught uploading identifiable footage to the cloud, and it's even possible to view the camera streams using VLC. Eufy's commitment to privacy is remarkable. It promises your data will be stored locally, that it never leaves the safety of your home, that its footage only gets transmitted with end-to-end military-grade encryption, and that it will only send that footage straight to your phone. So you can imagine our surprise to learn you can stream video from a Eufy camera from the other side of the country with no encryption at all. This week we repeatedly watched live footage from two of our own Eufy cameras using that very same VLC media player from across the United States, proving that Anchor has a way to bypass encryption and access these supposedly secure cameras through the cloud. Also, it seems like it only works on cameras that are awake. We had to wait until our camera's owner pressed a button before the VLC stream came to life. Your camera's 16-digit serial number, likely visible on the box, is the biggest part of the key. But it also gets worse. Yuffie's best practices appear to be so shoddy that bad actors might be able to figure out the address of a camera's feed because that address largely consists of your camera's serial number encoded in Base64, something you can easily reverse with a simple online calculator. The address also includes a Unix timestamp you can easily create, plus a token that UV e servers don't actually seem to be validating. We changed our token to arbitrary potato, and it still worked. And a four-digit random hex whose 65,536 combinations could easily be brute-forced. There are other worrying signs that Anchor's security practices may be much, much poorer than it has let on. This whole saga started when InfoSec consultant Moore started tweeting accusations that Eufy had violated other security promises, including uploading thumbnail images, including faces, to the cloud without permission and failing to delete stored private data. Anchor reportedly admitted to the former, but called it a misunderstanding. You have some serious questions to answer, at UFI official. Here is irrefutable proof that my supposedly private, stored locally, and transmitted only to you doorbell is streaming to the cloud without cloud storage enabled. Paul Moore, November 23rd, 2022. Most worrying, if true, he also claims that Eufy's encryption key for its video footage is literally just the plain text string ZX security 17 cam at... That phrase also appears in a GitHub repo from 2019. Anchor didn't answer The Verge's straightforward yes or no question about whether ZX Security 17 Cam At is the encryption key. We couldn't get more details from Moore either. He told The Verge he can't comment further now that he's started legal proceedings against Anchor. Now that Anchor has been caught in some big lies, it's going to be hard to trust whatever the company says next. But for some, it may be important to know which cameras do and do not behave this way, whether anything will be changed and when. Remember, when Wise had a vaguely similar vulnerability, it swept it under the rug for three years. Hopefully, Anchor will do far, far better. So what's the upshot for you? Until then, if you have a Eufy camera for security, the most secure option might be not having it. Our next story comes to us out of the U.S. from TWC Newsletter. It's not science, just surveillance. And it's under your desk. Grad students at Northeastern University were able to organize and beat back an attempt at introducing invasive surveillance devices that were quietly placed under desks at their school. Early in October, Senior Vice Provost David Luzzi installed motion sensors under all desks at the school's Interdisciplinary Science and Engineering Complex, ISAC, a facility used by graduate students and home to Cybersecurity and Privacy Institute, which studies surveillance. These sensors were installed at night without student knowledge or consent, and when pressed for an explanation, the students were told that this was part of a study on desk usage, according to a blog post by Max von Hippel, a Privacy Institute PhD candidate who wrote about the situation for the Tech Workers Coalition's newsletter. Students began to raise concerns about the sensors, and an email was sent out by Lutzi attempting to address issues raised by students. Lutzi wrote, The university had deployed a spacetti occupancy monitoring system that would use heat sensors at groin level to aggregate data by subzones to generate when a desk is occupied or not. Lutzi added that the data would be anonymized, aggregated to look at themes, not individual time at assigned desk, not to be used in evaluations, and not shared with any supervisors of the students. Following that email, an impromptu listening session was held at the ISAC. At this first listening session, Lucy asked the grad student attendees, trust the university since you trust them to give you a degree. Ah, uh, well, after that, the students at the Privacy Institute, which specializes in studying surveillance and reversing its harm, started removing the sensors, hacking into them, and working on an open-source guide so other students could do the same. Lucy had claimed the devices were secure and the data encrypted, but Privacy Institute students learned they were relatively insecure and unencrypted. After hacking the devices, students wrote an open letter to Lucy and University President Joseph E. Aoun, asking for the sensors to be removed because they were intimidating, part of a poorly conceived study, and deployed without either be approval even though human subjects were at the center of the so-called study. Von Hippel notes that many members of the computer science department were also in a union and thus networked together for a quick mass response. The controversy ultimately culminated with another listening session in which Lutzi struggles to quell concerns that the study is invasive, poorly planned, costly, and likely unethical. Afterwards, Von Hippel took to Twitter and shared what became a semi-viral thread documenting the entire timeline of events, from the secret installation of the sensors to the listening session occurring that day. So, what's the upshot for you? Hours later, the sensors were removed. Our next story out of the U.S. from MSN. Just in time for the holidays, America's TSA begins quietly testing facial recognition tech at 16 airports. This system is for general passenger security screening. You step up to the travel document checker kiosk and stick your ID into a machine. Then you look into a camera for up to five seconds and the machine compares your live photo to the one it sees on your ID. They call this a one-to-one verification system, comparing one face to one ID. Even though the software is judging if you're an imposter, there's still a human agent there to make the final call. Well, at least for now. So how accurate is it? The TSA says it's better at verifying IDs than the manual process. This technology is definitely a security enhancement. We're so far very satisfied with the performance of the machine's ability to conduct facial recognition accurately. The TSA hasn't actually released hard data about how often its system falsely identifies people through incorrect positive or negative matches. Some of that might come to light next year when the TSA has to make its case to the Department of Homeland Security to convert airports all over the United States into facial recognition systems. I worry that the TSA will give a green light to technology that is more likely to falsely accuse black and brown and non-binary travelers and other groups that have historically faced more facial recognition errors, said Albert Foxconn, the founder of the Surveillance Technology Oversight Project, or STOP. Research has shown facial recognition algorithms can be less accurate at identifying people of color. A study published by the Federal National Institute of Science and Technology in 2019 found that Asian and African American people were up to 100 times more likely to be misidentified than white men, depending on the particular algorithm and type of search. Federal study confirms racial bias of many facial recognition systems, casts doubt on their expanding use. I don't trust the TSA to evaluate the efficacy of its own facial recognition systems, says Kahn. The TSA already has a plan to expand the scope of how it's using the tech. It's running a pilot of a second system at a few airports where you don't even have to present your physical ID for inspection. Your face is your ID. In tests with Delta, machines compare passengers' live faces to a database of photos the government already has, typically from passports. For now, this system only works for passengers with pre-check or global entry, and passengers also have to request it from Delta. A colleague recently tried it in Atlanta and reported it was like an extra fast version of precheck that probably saved him 5 minutes on his trip. So what's the upshot for you? Just remember, anytime data gets collected somewhere, it can also be stolen and you only get one face. Our next story out of India from TechCrunch. Telegram shares users' data in copyright violation lawsuit. Telegram has disclosed the names of administrators, their phone numbers, and IP addresses of channels accused of copyright infringement in compliance with a court order in India in a remarkable illustration of the data the instant messaging platform stores on its users and can be made to disclose by authorities. The app operator was forced by a Delhi High Court order to share the data after a teacher sued the firm for not doing enough to prevent unauthorized distribution of her course material on the platform. Nitu Singh, the plaintiff teacher, said a number of Telegram channels were reselling her study materials without permission at discounted prices. An Indian court earlier had ordered Telegram to adhere to Indian law and disclose details about those operating such channels. Telegram unsuccessfully argued that disclosing user information would violate the privacy policy and laws of Singapore, where it has located its physical servers for storing users' data. In response, the Indian court said the copyright owners couldn't be left completely remedy against the actual infringers because Telegram has chosen to locate its servers outside the country. In an order last week, Justice Singh said Telegram had complied with an earlier order and shared the data. So, what's the upshot for you? India is one of the largest markets for Telegram, which has amassed nearly 150 million users in the South Asian market. Telegram has gained popularity among some users in part due to its piracy problem, as previously reported. The platform remains littered with easily discoverable channels, sometimes with tens of thousands of users, where movies and TV shows are widely shared. Our next Ars Technica story comes to us from Germany. Hive Social turns off servers after researchers warn hackers can access all data. Hive Social, most social media platform that has seen meteoric growth since Elon Musk took over Twitter a abruptly shut down its service on Wednesday after a security advisory warned the site was riddled with vulnerabilities that exposed all data stored in user accounts. The issues we reported allow any attacker to access all data, including private posts, private messages, shared media, and even deleted direct messages, the advisory, published on Wednesday by Berlin-based security collective Zerforschung, claimed. This also includes private email addresses and phone numbers entered during login. The post went on to say that after the researchers privately reported the vulnerabilities last Saturday, many of the flaws they reported remained unpatched. They headlined their post, warning, do not use Hive Social. Hive Social responded by pulling down its entire service. The Hive team has become aware of security issues that affect the stability of our application and the safety of our users, company officials wrote. Fixing these issues will require temporarily turning off our service for a couple of days while we fix this for a better and safer experience. Technical details are being withheld to prevent the active exploitation of them by malicious hackers. According to Business Insider, Hive Social's user base has doubled in the last few weeks, going from about $1 million to $2 million as of last week. So what's the upshot for you? Apparently, the site is staffed by just two people, neither of whom have much of a background in security. From TechCrunch out of the U.S., our next story. Florida State Tax Website bug exposed filers' data. A security flaw on the Florida Department of Revenue website exposed at least hundreds of taxpayers' social security numbers and bank account numbers, a security researcher found. Kamran Mosin, the researcher, said the security flaw, now fixed, allowed him or anyone else who was logged into the state's business tax registration website to access, modify, and delete the personal data of business owners whose information is on file with the state's tax authority by modifying the part of the web address that contains the taxpayer's application number. Motion said there were more than 713,000 applications in the system, which the department did not dispute when reached for comment. So what's the upshot for you? Motion said the application numbers are sequential, allowing anyone to enumerate taxpayers' information by incrementing the application number by a single digit. Gulp. Our next story out of Australia from Bleeping Computer. It passed. Australian Parliament approves government's new Privacy Penalty Bill. The Australian Parliament has approved a bill to amend the country's privacy legislation, significantly increasing the maximum penalties to Australian $50 million for companies and data controllers who suffered large-scale data breaches. The financial penalty introduced by the new bill is set to whichever is greater, Australian $50 million, three times the value of any benefit obtained through the misuse of information, and 30% of a company's adjusted turnover in the relevant period. Previously, the penalty for severe data exposures was Australian 2.22 million, considered wholly inadequate to incentivize companies to improve their data security mechanisms. The new bill comes in response to a series of recent cyberattacks against Australian companies, including ransomware and network breaches, resulting in the exposure of highly sensitive data from millions of people in the country. The Albanese labor government has wasted no time in responding to recent major data breaches. We have announced, introduced, and delivered legislation in just over a month, reads the media announcement. So what's the upshot for you? These new larger penalties send a clear message to large companies that they must do better to protect the data they collect. Our next story out of the U.S. from Axios. Governments seek ways to avert quantum's encryption apocalypse. As scientists, academics, and international policymakers attended the first ever Quantum World Congress conference in Washington last week, alarmism around the future of secure data was undercut by foundational questions of what quantum computing will mean for the world. We don't even know what we don't know about what quantum can do, said Michael Redding, chief technology officer at Quantropy, during a panel about cryptography at the Quantum World Congress. Some governments are believed to have already started stealing enemies' encrypted secrets now so they can unlock them as soon as quantum computing is available. It's the single largest economic and national security issue we have ever faced as a Western society, said Dennis Mandich chief technology officer at Crypt and former U.S. intelligence official at this week's conference. We don't know what happens if they actually decrypt, operationalize, and monetize all the data that they already have. So what's the upshot for you? A lot of post-quantum encryption research is happening in tandem with quantum development projects, so researchers have a more informed understanding of what they could be protecting against. Eyes are on the Commerce Department's National Institute of Standards and Technology as it prepares to release a second set of post-quantum encryption tools for security experts to test and analyze. But that number is already down to three. Our next story out of China and the U.S. comes from Reuters. Chinese hackers stole millions worth of U.S. COVID relief money, U.S. Secret Service agent says. Chinese hackers have stolen tens of millions of dollars worth of U.S. COVID relief benefits since 2020, the Secret Service said on Monday. The Secret Service declined to provide any additional details, but confirmed a report by NBC News that the Chinese hacking team that is... Reportedly Responsible is known within the security research community as APT41 WinNTI. APT41 is a prolific cybercriminal group that has conducted a mix of government-backed cyber intrusions and financially motivated data breaches, according to experts. Several members of the hacking group were indicted in 2019 and 2020 by the U.S. Justice Department for spying on over 100 companies, including software development companies, telecommunications providers, social media firms, and video game developers. Regrettably, the Chinese Communist Party has chosen a different path of making China safer cybercriminals so long as they attack computers outside China and steal intellectual property helpful to China, former Deputy Attorney General Jeffrey Rosen said at the time. So what's the upshot for you? Perhaps this is how the Chinese supported their years-long zero-COVID program, with grant money from the U.S. program. Out of the U.S. from malware bites, South Dakota is first to ban TikTok on state-owned devices. South Dakota is the first U.S. state, and so far as we know, the first region anywhere, to officially ban the top-rated and fast-rising social media app TikTok on state-owned or state-leased smartphones, laptops, and other internet-enabled devices. This will affect people working for the state government and contractors. The South Dakota TikTok ban was announced on multiple platforms, from Twitter to the South Dakota state news. Effective immediately, we are banning TikTok for state government in South Dakota. States across America should follow suit. We will play no part in allowing China to continue to gain intel and influence in our state. Christy Nome, November 30th, 2022. So what's the upshot for you? South Dakota pulls ahead in signaling they would like to protect against potential data exfiltration. Now they just have to have everyone remove the externally controlled apps from their phones for health trackers, IP cameras, and online merchants like Wish and Baidu. But okay, at least it signals good intent. Our next story of the U.S. from CNET, DTV's successor, Next Gen TV. Next Gen TV is a huge upgrade for free over-the-air TV, but it comes with strings attached. Here's why. North and South America have two entirely different broadcast TV standards, both of which are different from the DVB-T standard used in Europe, Africa, Australia, and 2022 ends with us already talking about DTV's successor in North America, the new broadcast standard, Next Gen TV. This time the standard isn't mandatory for TV stations. CNET points out, and it won't affect cable, satellite, or streaming TV. But now, even if you're not paying for streaming TV service, another article points out, in most major American cities, an inexpensive antenna is all you'll need to get ABC, CBS, Fox, NBC, and PBS stations, and often with a better picture quality. Next Gen TV, formerly known as ATSC 3.0, is continuing to roll out across the U.S. It's already widely available, with stations throughout the country broadcasting in the new standard. There are many new TVs with compatible tuners, plus several standalone tuners to add NextGen to just about any TV. As the name suggests, NextGen TV is the next generation of over-the-air broadcasts, replacing or supplementing the free HD broadcasts we've had for over two decades. NextGen not only improves on HDTV, but adds the potential for new features like free over-the-air, 4K, and HDR, though those aren't yet widely available. Even so, the image quality with NextGen is likely better than what you're used to from streaming or even satellite or cable. If you already have an antenna and watch HD broadcasts, the reception you get with NextGen might be better too because of how it works. You'll likely get better reception if you're far from the TV tower. The short version is NextGen is free over-the-air television with potentially more channels and better image quality than older over-the-air broadcasts. Okay, so what's the downside? ATSC 3.0 will Also, let broadcasters track your viewing habits for information that can be used for targeting advertising, just like companies such as Facebook and Google use today. Add specific to your viewing habits, income level, and even ethnicity, presumed by your neighborhood for example, could get slotted in by your local station. But here's the thing. If your TV is connected to the internet, it's already tracking you. Pretty much every app, streaming service, smart TV, and cable or satellite box all track your usage to a greater or lesser extent. So what's the upshot for you? It's reassuring to know that eventually you will have no option in the US except to let something into your home that tracks you. Well, that's privacy. Perhaps it's time to go back to reading printed books by candlelight. Our next door is Global from TheRegister.com. Rackspace loses hosted Microsoft Exchange services. On Friday, December 2nd, 2022, we became aware of an issue impacting our hosted exchange environment. We proactively powered down and disconnected the hosted exchange environment while we triaged to understand the extent and severity of the impact. After further analysis, we've determined that this is a security incident. The incident is further described as isolated to a portion of our hosted exchange platform. Rackspace has no idea when it will be able to restore its service to those impacted by the security incident. We are actively working with our support teams and anticipate our work may take several days, its status page advises. The incident manifested as what Rackspace described as connectivity and login issues. An update, timestamped 8.19 p.m. Eastern Time on December 2nd, went a little further, describing it as a significant failure in our hosted exchange environment. But no information about the cause of the incident is available at this time. However, the combination of an outage and a lengthy restoration process suggests ransomware could well be a factor. So what's the upshot for you? And when the crush comes, companies are often judged by their customer support. Uh, In this case, that's not looking good for Rackspace either. The way they have handled this has been horrible. No support, no email, no nothing. Who knows when we will have answers, one customer wrote. I called the support line, held and listened to lousy music for 3 hours and 14 minutes and 19 seconds and finally had to terminate the call, wrote another. (laughs) From outer space and CNBC, SpaceX unveils Starshield, a military variation of Starlink satellites. Elon Musk's SpaceX is expanding its Starlink satellite technology into military applications with a new business line called Starshield. While Starlink is designed for consumer and commercial use, Starshield is designed for government use, the company wrote on its website. Few details are available about the intended scope and capabilities of Starshield. The company hasn't previously announced tests or work on Starshield technology. On its website, SpaceX said the system will have an initial focus on three areas. Imagery, communications, and hosted payloads, the third of which effectively offers government customers the company's satellite bus, the body of the spacecraft, as a flexible platform. SpaceX notes that Starshield uses additional high-assurance cryptographic capability to host classified payloads and process data securely, building upon the data encryption it uses with its Starlink system. Another key feature, the inter-satellite laser communications links, which the company currently has connecting its Starlink spacecraft. It notes that the terminals can be added to partner satellites so as to connect other companies' government systems into the Starshield network. So what's the upshot for you? We're not surprised to see military use announced, but glad at the very least that they're encrypting the communication flying between things over our heads. Our next story is global and comes to us from mac rumors teslas used to come with lidar but did you know that newer iphones do too iphone 12 pro and pro max iphone 13 pro and pro max and iphone 14 pro and pro max models feature a lidar scanner next to the rear camera that can be used to measure a person's height instantly in apple's pre-installed measure app to measure a person's height, simply open the Measure app, point your iPhone at the person you want to measure, and make sure they're visible on the screen from head to toe. After a brief moment, a line should appear at the top of the person's head with their height measurement. You can choose to have the measurement displayed in feet and inches or in centimeters in the Settings app under Measure, Measure Units. The app measures a person's height from the floor to the top of their head, hair or hat. You can even measure the seated height of a person in a chair. The circular shutter button in the bottom right corner allows you to take a photo of the person with their height measurement and share it with them. The is not available on iPhones without a LiDAR scanner. So what's the upshot for you? Apparently the Measure app is actually pretty accurate and way more convenient than a tape measure. And you can actually use it to measure lots of other things too our final story this week from europe public out of the u.s tesla finally delivers its first production semi five years after ceo elon musk officially unveiled his semi tesla's electrified tractor trailer the company delivered its first official production vehicle to pepsi last thursday during its semi delivery event held at tesla's nevada gigafactory the beverage maker has ordered 100 of the vehicles in total First shown off in 2017, the Tesla Semi originally was set to retail for $150 to $180,000 US for the 300 and 500-mile versions respectively. Those prices are significantly higher than the $60,000 a standard diesel cab runs, but Tesla estimates that its vehicles can operate 20% more efficiently, 2 kilowatt hours per mile, Musk revealed Thursday, and save up to $250,000 over the million-mile life of the Semi. Each rig is designed like a bullet, Musk said at the vehicle's unveiling, and would come equipped with a massive one-megawatt-hour battery pack. This reportedly offers a 20-second to 0-60, which is impressive given that these vehicles are towing up to 80,000 pounds at a time, and is spent to 80% charge time of just 30 minutes. The semis are also outfitted with enhanced autopilot capabilities as well as jackknife mitigation systems, blind spot sensors, and data logging for fleet management. So what's the upshot for you? The fact that this is arriving to Pepsi in time for the 2022 holidays is attributed to the production delays and supply chain issues brought on by the COVID-19 pandemic. But it's nice to see the first of these roll in, even if it is three years late. And what does this have to do with security and privacy? Nothing. But what better way to end than with a good truck story? And for our quote of the week for security to be effective, the secure solution must be easier to use than the non-secure solution. Ashutosh Cops. That's it for this week. Stay safe, stay secure, leave the truck keys with Betsy, and we'll see you in 7.